get started with the discussion. Um, today is Thursday, September 7th, 2017. This is the Fiction Old and New Book Group. And tonight we're discussing um, Emma Donahue's novel, The Wonder. And before, before we discuss the, the book, I'm just going to mention, and, I, and we'll mention it at the end of the meeting as well, um, that starting next month, um, we're actually going to be changing the night that this group meets. Um, for maybe the past two years or so, we've met on the first Thursday of every month. And um, uh, Sherry actually has a conflict now on Thursday evening, so we're going to change the, the meeting date. We're going to meet on the first Friday evening of the month, so it's just one day further. So the next time that we're going to meet is um, Friday, October 6th at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And we're actually going to be doing something very exciting. Um, we're going to be discussing uh, David's book um, that I, I know some of us have already read that's available on Bookshare. It's called Across Two Novembers, A Year in the Life of a Blind Bibliophile. And I will tell you, I read the book and I absolutely loved it. I, I, I It was fantastic from, from beginning to end. Um, as the, the title says, it is a year in, in David's life um, from, I believe, November 2013 to November 2014, and as I told him, I felt like I was having a delightful extended conversation with him about his life and his thoughts, and you know, it just it was it was really interesting. And I think that if you're if you're blind or visually impaired, I think you'll discover that there's really a lot that you will will relate to in this book. I mean, a, a real lot. So hopefully, you'll all. Uh, I hope everybody has Bookshare um, and and will be able to access the book and, and join us. Um, so I'm just going to mention really quickly, um, instead of doing sort of a lengthy uh, biography of the author, I'm just going to read part of a review, which I really liked. Um, it, it says, fascinating, the book is set, this is of course about the wonder, fascinating, the book is set in the mid-19th century, but its themes, faith and logic, credulity and understanding, the confused ways people act in the name of duty and belief and love are modern ones. While the wonder of the title refers to many things, at its core it's an examination of the mysteries of reason, responsibility, and heart. Like Ms. Donahue's best-selling Room, the novel ultimately concerns itself with courage, love, and the lens someone will go to protect a child. And that was from the New York Times book review. So why don't we see what everybody thought of this book? I wanted to jump in really quickly. I'll let everybody talk. I just wanted to thank you, Michelle, for such a nice uh, compliment about the book. And I will end by putting in the edit box a link to what I thought was an excellent book review. Everybody should get a book review the way Deborah Kendrick did it. And I'll let you continue your discussion of The Wonder. Yeah, I was going to say Deborah Kendrick's got a good uh, review of uh, David's book in the September uh, issue of Access World. So uh, check it out. Oh, that I'll do. Well, I got to tell you, um, <laughs> it was a, there were things I did like about it, but I guess I don't pro, I don't profess to be the greatest Catholic in the world, but it, but I'm still there. Probably will always die one, no matter where I wander. That's just me. 
But I just got tired of the, I love the nurse. How can you not like her? And, and sister proved herself good at the end, you know, finally conceding there was issues. But I, I think uh, those parents were absolutely terrible, you know, and laid the guilt on this girl. You, you just, in all my <laughs> brief theological knowledge of Catholicism, you don't save souls by dying yourself and being in heaven with them. And along with that comes incest. I don't know. I, I thought at the end the reporter was a real guy. I liked him and the nurse, what they did at the end was good. And I liked that Emma Donahue said, the child will come to hate me. Uh, the lady said, I forget her name now, the nurse. But that happens with mothers. I got her out of there. And that was the best thing to get her out of that horrid situation. So I wish I could say better things about the book, but it went on and on, wrapping the leading characters in Catholic guilt. But I never heard the one where you got to die to save someone's soul, and uh, that you know you got to die yourself. Uh, you have your own time when it comes anyway. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with Bob. I mean, the the book had a real good ending, but it it was was tough getting to the ending. I thought it was it just was was too long getting to it and i just uh i i had a hard time with uh uh the the as smart as the nurse was she she seemed like she missed off a lot of stuff i i don't know she was she was real real slow getting figuring out that the 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 brother wasn't still alive i I thought that was i thought that was a little weak and uh uh and was there not something that, that happened recently in in reality about, or maybe I'm just remembering people talking about this book? But I was thinking there was a a real case with somebody uh, going through something similar as as this girl seemed to be going through, or, or did I make that up? Well, um, I, I thought the book was pretty good. Um, I. You know, I found the, I kind of divided the book into like the first half and the second half. The first half was pretty slow. Um, It it really was. It kind of set the scene and, 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 you know, everything moved really slowly. The second half of the book, I thought things just jumped along really, really quickly. Um, I thought of this book as, I guess, a historical mystery. So there were a lot of aspects of, of the historical setting. It took place, you know, after the, the uh, potato famine, and that kind of cast sort of a, a shadow. You know, you, you think of this, this poor young girl starving herself to death, but, you know, so many people had, had starved so, so recently before. So I thought that was kind of interesting to set it at that particular time period. Um, now, some of the things I guessed and some of the things I didn't guess. I absolutely knew in my gut that um, that she had been abused. I mean, I just knew that. I was reading this, and I, I, I didn't guess who it was, but I absolutely knew that she had been abused because this is something that a lot of times when women are anorexic, which is, you know, kind of what she was, she was starving herself, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of times it's occasioned by some sort of abuse that women want to take control of their body and this is the way that they're taking control of their body is by not eating and and trying to keep sort of a child uh, body as opposed to a womanly body she was 11 years old which was 
very, very young. Um, and I thought, you know, the author did a really good job of kind of describing what this was about. And there were a lot of twists and turns. You know, I couldn't, fig- I couldn't figure out what the, what the abuse was going to be, but also how was she possibly staying alive? I mean, that was, that was kind of interesting as well. So um, I can see, you know, somebody starting this book and saying, oh, it's really, really slow, and then putting it, you know, to the side. But I think for me about halfway through, um, the book really, really picked up. Um, and, um, and I liked, you know, I liked the, um, the Lib character. I thought she was very modern, but, you know, she had her own secrets as well. And she definitely, you know, she kind of set things in motion, I think. You know, had she not appeared, um, you know, maybe, maybe things would have gone on for, for a really long time. So anyway, let's see what everybody else thought. I only want to add, though, I think it's a mischaracterization, and maybe I'm getting way out here, of the Catholic Church. First of all, they didn't even, Father didn't want to take it to the higher-ups of the Church. If this is a miracle occurring, the Church investigates it very thoroughly because they don't want to be made fools of. And Teresa Neumann, for example, bled on her hands on Good Friday like Christ, and they they found out about that one that 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 can happen. It's a, a some kind of a disease, you know, scientific explanation. But I I was leery when Father didn't want to take it to the bishop. He didn't want to take it up the line, and uh, but they sure got publicity. You know, the parents. I think the parents were horrible. They should have had uh, we should have had foster care and gotten that kid out of there and uh, feeding her by kissing her, etc. I'm not sure the nurse could have picked up on that. There was a lot of nonsense going on there. And sister was not helping. The, the other nurse was, no, no, we must pray, and so forth. Until the end, when she said, I saw this spirit come out of the fog, you know, and with a horse carrying a child, uh, that, you know, that couldn't be you, could it? You know, and so and she didn't squeal. Um, but anyway, that I don't think it's a good characterization of the Catholic Church, and I don't claim to be near the Pope. Thank you. Yeah, this is Ginny. Um, I really... I really enjoyed the book. I found it a little melodramatic, but I liked the uh, way she set the scene, the um, time period, um, you know, the dialogue. I didn't see some of the plot twists coming. Um, I was very engrossed in uh, the conflict between science and religion. Um, I agree with what a lot of you have said. I, I think this reminds me my textbook, World Religions. The author said, you know, I love religions, I love writing about religions, but they have a good side and they have a bad side, just like people. And I feel here you had definitely a negative portrayal of religion, superstition. Um, I liked, uh, you know, I thought it was just uh, plausible, a little bit melodramatic. Uh, I thought the romance between the two characters proceeded very quickly. Um, But I, I did really think it it was based on an actual uh, factual case, I think. So I really did enjoy the portrayal. Um, this is Lissy. Um, I read a lot of books about Ireland, and um, so I have a, a context to put this book in. I loved it. Um, I read in Braille because I don't want it to go too fast, so I never even thought there was a slow moment. I read this for me, it was fast to read it in Braille in two days. And um, at the end of the second day, when she was her health was beginning to fail, then I caved in and got it from Bookshare and listened to the text. 
um, with Jaws <laughs> speaking really fast. But um, I, I don't even know where to start. One thing um, that's very common in the Irish practice of Catholicism is that for centuries they blended um, superstition with Catholicism and that that was actually how St. Patrick helped to um, um, gain acceptance of Catholicism. If you see the Celtic cross, it's a cross like the Christian cross but then it has a circle over where the juncture of the two arms, uh, you know, the the vertical and horizontal bars of the cross is a circle which represents the sun which is a nod to Celtic belief which was grounded in nature so um, you saw it a lot in the housekeeper where (laughs) one minute she was, you know moralizing and, and spouting the religion she was taught and the next minute she was making way for the fairies and the, the way they let um, left milk out for them at night and that was just very common um, you know it's a lot's happened in 150 years and Ireland has come a long way also Catholicism has evolved so if you saw things about Catholicism that were kind of uncomfortable for Catholics let alone Protestants and, and uh, people of other beliefs, um, it's because the Catholic Church has, has made adjustments and changes in 150 years. And so I kept thinking, is this Catholicism? Well, yes, that's what it was in, you know, in the 1860s. Um, I thought, maybe it's naive of me, but I thought the Father was one of the innocents, um, I think it was collusion between the mother and daughter and the priest because she told her mother about the abuse and her and she told the priest and neither one gave her any kind of assistance or comfort and um, I don't think she felt she had to to die exactly but she did think she was married to her brother that's the way he convinced her to cooperate so it was quite astonishing that she didn't hold resentment toward him but that she would do anything in her power to shorten his time in purgatory but then in the back of her mind she was worried that maybe he wouldn't even make it to purgatory because she was having trouble resolving her behavior with him with with what she heard from the Catholics, it was interesting that that she wouldn't wouldn't have had these problems had it not been from the for the Catholics from I forgot what country who came and and evangelized and um, it's there she learned you know how dour her mistake was that it was a mistake and I think the the, the worst you know the the character who had the most blame was the mother because she failed to help her daughter when her daughter came to her and said told her what had happened and then she supported this starvation you know by transferring food from herself to her daughter and she was glorying in all the attention i think the father was i i believe her father was pretty much kept in the dark about this this you know it was a woman's the it, it was 
um, the priest also knew and failed to do anything. He, you know, he would gently prod her to eat. But what happened with the nurses watching for 24 hours, the nun did do her job because um, if she hadn't been doing her job, the girl would have been sneaking food at night and she wouldn't have gotten so desperately ill after the first week. But she was keeping a vigil the whole time and she didn't know that the mother was feeding the daughter even though it was just enough to subsist. I also, um, what seems slow to, to many readers is fascinating to me, just the description of the roads that, that she traveled and the paths and the, you know, and the boglands where it looks like solid ground and then, you know, and you step on it and down you go. Um, it, it, it is an interesting um, geological uh, environment that, that they lived in. It was interesting, too, that the parents weren't considered poor. They were, they were considered doing fairly well, but did you notice what they were eating, you know, even when they ate, it was, <laughs> you know, wasn't very appealing. Um, it was a wonderful thing and, and very ironic, too, that the rescue happened while they were all off praying for her because they were, in a sense, holding a death vigil and, and knowing they were leaving her in a dying condition. And, and that gave the, the reporter and the nurse a chance to kidnap her. The nurse was pretty holier than thou at the beginning. You know, she was above it all, and I think she did learn to understand the people that she was working with better. Um, I, I don't know. I can't say enough good about this book. I did love it. Well, this is Sherry. I also really liked the book a lot. Um, I agree with a lot of what was said. I don't think the girl considered herself abused, though. Um, she didn't understand what happened. She knew it wasn't quite right, but I don't think she considered it abuse. Um, I thought, actually, the incest was gratuitous. I, that's my main only criticism of the book, is I didn't think the incest was necessary. I think she could have wanted to die and go to heaven to be with her brother because she loved him. And I thought that would have been sufficient. I thought that was a little gratuitous. I thought the ending really held together surprisingly well because it was uh, written by another author. You would have said, oh, this is really a stupid ending. You really have to suspend your belief that all this would have happened and they would have escaped and blah, blah, blah. But I thought she wrote it in such a way that I didn't have trouble believing the ending. But I didn't like the incest aspect. I didn't think it was necessary to the plot. And I also certainly didn't figure out how the girl was getting food. And as Lissy mentioned, one of the things I liked was that the nurse was – disdainful of the Irish and of Catholicism, and I think that probably would have been typical of an English woman coming over to Ireland, and I liked the way that the relationship between her and Anna grew and that she grew to love her. Well, first, Lissy, I just want to thank you so much for all of your comments because I, I, I really I learned a lot listening to you talk about the book. It, it, it makes me want to go back and, and start from the beginning and, and read again um, because I do think that I didn't take in as much detail as you did in the beginning of the book, and, and it was really, really interesting uh, listening, listening to your comments. Um, I, the thing that was clearest to me about this book, maybe because I'm not Catholic, so I don't have that kind of um, 
uh, you know, background for, for this story um, was that there absolutely had to have been abuse in this book. Um, I think it was interesting that she picked the age of 11. 11 is, you know, kind of when women are about to start menstruating, but not, not quite there where your body is really still a child's body. And, um, and you know, I, I knew that she had been abused. I just didn't know exactly who was the person who was abusing it. So, you know, did it have to be the brother? Could it have been somebody else? I guess so, but it was a very small community. Um, and it, it certainly wasn't surprising to me that it was within the family as opposed to, you know, a neighbor or, or somebody else. Um, it just, it, it seemed so obvious that that that's that's i mean it's hard to understand sometimes but i think a lot of times when people have women have abuse they're trying to almost go back in time to the time before they became a a woman and they want their body to be more like a child's body and one way to do that is to starve yourself and get your body so it's not womanly that it's more like like a child's body um and one of the other things that I thought was really interesting was all the knowledge that Lib had as a nurse. Um, I liked all the details. I mean, I was a little surprised that she missed all the pretty obvious signs that um, that Anna was starving. Because when the journalist said to her, well, you know, I covered the Irish potato famine and these are all the physical signs that happen and the smells that happen when somebody's body is starving... And if she was a nurse and she had such a good clinical detail for all the little things, I was surprised that she missed that. That was one thing that I thought to myself, I don't know that she would have missed all. There were a lot of details, you know, the way her breath smelled and there would be sort of fuzz on her cheek and things like that. How could she have missed them all? So I I did find that kind of surprising, but I did really enjoy um, all the details about, you know, I guess how how she became a nurse and all the ways that she, when she first examined Anna, you know, all the different details that she put in about the examination. It sounded, it sounded like she was a doctor. So I thought that was really interesting. This is Joshua. I got to say that I, I, I got to say that I, I really enjoyed the book. I read it in read it in two days. I read most of it today, a little bit of it yesterday. Um, it was a very good book. I thought the narrator the narrator of the book, Luan Bard. Uh, um, she did a uh, uh, Kate Locke. She did a really, really good job of reading the book. I thought, and I do agree, it was definitely neat to see uh, to see Lib's character. Um, yeah, to see Lib's character, how she, you know, at first she, you know, first she was like, "Yeah, this is just a job for me. I can, I can figure this out in two days. I'll be back at the hospital before you know it." And then she started to really, you know, you could see that she did, you know, care about Anna when she started telling her riddles, and she said that Anna was very smart, you know, and. Um, like I said, I really enjoyed it. I, I agree with with a lot of with a lot of what everyone what everyone said, and it was uh, you know I thought it was so sad when when Anna told of course Anna, of course Anna you know she didn't know I agree with Michelle she didn't know that she had been abused, but of course she she was. But part of it was I think um, not only that not not, not not only not only that when Anna you know had um, told her mom what had happened. Not because of you know she knew she was abused, but she told her because she was grieving for her brother, but also that you know you know the brother he didn't have anyone to talk to I think about his feelings too. I mean not that I'm not that I'm saying what the brother did was right, but I'm just saying that it was uh, you know that situation I think could have been prevented I think if he had had uh, you know someone to talk to. Here this kid's thirteen, he's starting to you know uh, 
change, you know, his body's changing and he's having feelings and things like that. But, um, but like I said, I, I, I really enjoyed the book. I agree with a lot of what people said. I thought the descriptions of, of the land were interesting. Um, all the, uh, you know, all, all the flowers and the, and the, and the, you know, the trees and everything when they were doing their, when they were having their walks. And um, I definitely, definitely enjoyed the ending. I agree with Michelle. It was was very, it was very plausible ending. I'm, de- I'm so glad that they were able to uh, to get Anna out of the situation because I was thinking, I was like, oh please, I was like, please, I really hope that uh, Anna does not uh, die because they said that she was, you know, she was starving her to death. But um, I, I, um, I was also like I said I, I, I do agree with what people said about. About how it was surprising that Lib, that she is a nurse, that she did not, she did not see all of. The, I mean, she mentioned, you know, in her book, you know, the the scaly skin, the hair falling out, the you know, different, the, you know, the uh, gradual uh, wasting away of you know, Anna's. Uh, of course, and after, of course, when Anna, when Anna refused to take even the nourishment her mom was giving her, that was pretty clever. I do say so myself when, when she was getting a little bit of food when her mom was kissing her, you know, morning and night, and you know. Transferring the food to her that way, and only having a few spoonfuls of water a day, man, you're going to need, no wonder she's thirsty on top of everything else. But um, yeah, I, th- I thought it was that it was very well. I, I, I did enjoy it. I thought the romance between um, Lib and William I thought that was a little bit a Im- little bit improbable. But you could definitely see that Lib, when she started to care for Anna more, and then William, he he you know he was you know and he uh, got to see her from that walk that they took. Uh, that was um, pretty interesting too. So I, I did enjoy the book quite a bit. So I'm, def- I'm definitely glad that we read it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think um, Lib, Lib, right? Lib. I'm calling her Liz, but it's Lib. Um, I, I, you know, she was an interesting character, and I thought at one point it was interesting that she really started to feel sort of responsible for what was happening to Anna because when she first came, Anna was in good health. Now, it's hard to imagine, you know, living on one mouthful of food a day and a couple of sips of water that she would be healthy enough to run around and play and do all kinds of things. I found that a little hard to believe, but her 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 condition deteriorated so quickly one time. Uh, we seem to have lost Michelle there in the middle. Um, I, I just wanted to say, I didn't think there was much of a romance there. I thought it was more of a relationship of convenience than anything. Um, Liz or uh, Don or um, David, did you have anything that you wanted to say? Um, this is Liz, and honestly, I had I struggled to connect with this book. It was um, um, it was interesting, and, and what what I found interesting for me is that I really love historical fiction. Um, and I also like to read about Ireland, um, so the the scenery was very interesting. But I really just struggled to connect with the book, um, so I'm really sorry. I don't have more to comment on. But I am I'm learning a lot from from everybody else's comments, and I do appreciate that. Sorry about that. I'm having some computer issues. Um, anyway, what I was trying to say was that I thought that it was interesting for. Lib to kind of realize that she might have in some way made the situation worse because she was brought in to monitor and I guess to help Anna 
and it, it must have been quite a realization to realize that you know her being involved is, is somehow making the situation worse and I thought that was sort of an interesting thing to put into the story and I guess I uh, the thing that I kind of wondered is you know here's this 11 year old girl who's starving to death and I understand that you know there uh, the author did a lot of research and there have been many cases like this and you know they she researched it as much as she could but there weren't always accounts of the person who was actually starving there was just other people who were observing so you don't always know the real really really what's going on but I found this like amazing that there could be a town where there's an 11 year old girl starving to death and you know people are just sort of letting this happen I mean you know the church is is letting this happen her mother her father doctors I mean all these people are examining her it's not like she's you know off in the woods and nobody knows this is happening this is like a big big thing I mean I guess even the title the wonder you know was she the wonder that people wanted to come and come and see Um, so I, I found that amazing I mean I think the author really did a good job of sort of painting a picture of a town where they would allow 11-year-old girl to starve to death so what so she could be you know canonized or made into a saint or you know the family would be the the family of the saints I, I I thought that was just amazing you know interesting because um I think that that was one of the things that really I struggled with is like uh are they trying to create a saint here to gain status for the people of the town to the family and I, I just had a real negative reaction to it. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from, Liz, because uh, uh, I think of the title as it, it makes me wonder that people can be so ignorant that they, uh, uh, the, and you know, I realize it was 1859 or whatever, but I, I'm always amazed the older I get, uh, and I've been around churches all my life, that, that people can uh, just throw science out the window sometimes and, and you know and and just uh accept anything and i mean obviously a lot of these people believed in fairies and stuff so uh it's no telling where they were coming from but uh it, it just it really makes me wonder that uh, uh that they almost let this little girl die and uh, uh and there were there was no reason for it um I thought it was interesting that there were two, the the contrast between the two doctors who saw her. And when you speak about science, there wasn't science in that community. You know, they didn't have electricity. They didn't have, uh, if you saw the way they lived, you know, they they didn't use machinery for farming much. And um, the one doctor wanted the notoriety of writing up an interesting case and he when when the nurse pointed out some of her symptoms it was almost a threat that he would bleed her so if they were still relying on doctors who would bleed people then medical um, medicine really hadn't advanced much in that part of the world yet and he also you know thought he would uh, acted as if he were speaking as a scientist and saying that another life form was emerging and she was becoming a lizard and maybe she, you know, this new life form that she would be didn't require food. And on the other hand, we had the doctor from the city 
who said literally she's hysterical, which in a sense she was, and um, feed her from above or below with, with rubber tubing. And at the same time in the United States, I don't know, Ulysses S. Grant, you know, as a former president, was fed from below through a tube in his final illness. So, you know, medicine was amazingly primitive still at that at that point. Well, I might be remembering wrong, but hadn't she already lived like this for like four months or so before the nurse even entered the scene? And so I think people really believed that she was living on nothing and that she was some sort of miracle. And actually, even today, with some regularity, you hear about some kid who's died of diabetes or or something because his parents thought they could just pray about it and the kid would, you know, survive without any medical intervention. So that occasionally still happens. So I didn't have too much of a problem with that, although it was certainly appalling to watch, especially the mother, because the mother knew. And the mother had to have seen the signs that this food she was sneaking to her wasn't enough, and she was probably sneaking more food to her before the nurse and the nun were put on watch. Yeah, I, you know, I really like historical fiction, but I, I really have to always fight my instincts to look at the book from today and try to think about what it was like at that time. And I think Lizzie does a really good job of describing what the state of, of medicine was. I mean, they in the 19th century, any time a woman had any kind of emotional issue, she was automatically branded a hysteric. And, you know, they would institutionalize women. And, and for, you know, certainly it happened. I mean, the history of Ireland, you know, there's been many, many instances where women, young women who dated somebody in all kinds of different situations, you know, they would they would put them away. I mean, it was, it's, it's you know, not just Ireland. I mean, it was all in the United States, all, all over the place. And I guess the thing that I keep coming back to was her age. I mean, she was 11 years old. And it's hard for me to imagine that a grown man doctor could look at an 11-year-old girl, not a woman, a girl, and brand her as a hysteric. I mean, I, I just found that hard. Maybe if she was 16 or 17 or something like that, but 11? That just seemed ridiculous to me. So I, I you know, I, I just I found all of it. You know, I mean, I, I think it's true, and I think it happened, and I think you know the the author did a lot of research, and there have been many cases where people, um, you know, women were were starving themselves, um, but just the idea that somebody could really think that that a person could live on on nothing, uh, you know, and 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 this was you know some sort of a miracle. I mean, I, I guess my idea of a miracle is not is not this. Like this, just this seems to me just to be cruel. It, it just seems terrible. Um, so I, I have a hard time understanding. I mean, I, I'm sure it's true, but I have a hard time understanding how someone could look at an 11 year old girl who's starving and think that this is a miracle. I, I agree with Michelle. I mean, this book it was hard. It was hard to read about. You're thinking here, this girl is you know starving. Her, you know, she's starving. She's barely living in anything. I mean, a couple of you know bits of food a day plus a little bit of water. There's no way. There's no way that you can survive on that. And you're right to be healthy for four months. You're right, Michelle. She would have had to be getting more because if she had just lived on for, for the week that 
the mom was giving the little bits of the bits of food and the water. If she'd been living on that for four months, not just one week, she she would she, she would have died. She would have died uh, a lot sooner because no, no, nobody can live on that. Here, you know, she you know and um, and everything. But you're, but uh, you're definitely right. I'm very glad this book had a you know somewhat uplifting ending because if this book had had a sadder ending where where Anna, where Anna died, that would have been, would have been very uh, much harder. To, Hard to take, and I'm very glad that Lib was able to get her out of that. You're right. I mean, if this had been modern times, you know, social services would have been called in. She would have been, you know, taken away, taken out of the situation. But I mean, I, I mean, I, I do I do agree with reading reading the book in the context of when it was written uh, and, and everything. Like I said, I I, I, I enjoy reading um, I enjoy reading historical fiction as well, and I've taken history courses where they talked about you know the different beliefs of doctors for women. You know, back in you know the, you know the 17, 1800s, where where they had they had a lot of their, a lot of their ideas wrong. You know, and their and their uh, views of what they thought you know beauty would you know look like. And uh, yeah, I mean, I mean that that whole concept of that of that Irish doctor, oh, she's a new creature emerging. I'm like, you complete idiot. That's the starvation. It's not some new creature emerging. You complete idiot. And uh, yeah, the doctor from the city. He, I agree. He, his, his, um, yeah, his, his method wasn't wasn't much better. Although he uh, just said she's got hysterics. Force feed her. See you later. I mean that that wasn't you know any anything um, either. And uh, you're right, Lib. You know she the nurse. She she definitely did have a lot a lot more training than I, than I than I thought. But I, I didn't I didn't I, didn't, I enjoyed uh, the quotes from Miss N as they called. Is the, she called uh, Florence Nightingale, and uh, you know when she talked about her, her time attending the uh, people, the people in the in the wards, and how and how and how they they didn't believe in uh, you know staying with the patients. They just kind of tended them, went on to the next person. They didn't believe in uh, you know you know comforting the patients. But I guess if you have so many people that you're having to deal with, you know that you couldn't quite manage you know manage that. But um, uh, that's yeah. That's just uh, some more thoughts that I had about. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Joshua. I mean, I, th- I think the stuff about the nightingales was really interesting. And from what I understand, that this was around the time that nursing became more of a profession. Like before that, it was just sort of seen that you sat next to somebody who was dying, and you know, you you, you could do very little to help them. But you know eventually it became more of a profession and they really were nursing they were you know actively involved in in the care of the patient and i think with lib i think that the thing that made me a lot more sympathetic towards her also was when you heard her backstory and what happened with her own child um so you know you sort of understood that she wasn't as cold as as maybe she came across and as judgmental as she came across that there was some real sort of sorrow you know under underneath it all um and probably my favorite character although he was a little gruff was the journalist um what was his name William Byrne I thought he was a like a breath of fresh air you know he came in and he just was like no bullshit <laughs> and he called it the way it really was and I thought that this this town needed you know somebody to come in and look at it with a more objectively you know truthful eye I thought I um, also wonder what all of you thought about the way she convinced the little girl to give herself a, n- a new lease on life. 
this child had been quite suggestible. You know, she was controlled by the church pretty much and her mother. And it was, I thought it was a brilliant move to, when she was so vulnerable, to suggest to her that she could be a different little girl. Um, this child had been, you know, so suggestible, uh, you know, going along with her mother about the manna from heaven. And, by the way, I would, wasn't quite as hard on the city doctor because it is hysterical, I think, to, to tell the world you're living on manna from heaven. Um, I mean, hysterical is not a term we like to use now, but that isn't rational. So th- this child wasn't, wasn't really rational, but she was being manipulated to be irrational. But it was wonderful the way they staged her, um, her rebirth and gave her a chance to shake off all that, those, that load of guilt and the realization that Lib had that there was no way the child would survive and thrive in, within her family, that her only cho- chance of survival was to be taken away and, and given a new environment. I, I I agree with you. Uh, I agree with you, Lissy. That 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 definitely was uh, definitely was very brilliant because that was the only really way that Anna could have. I think that um, Anna could have been convinced. I think to begin eating again uh, at all because the, the, I'm glad that Lib was able to think of that because I, I agree that she was so she was so kind of ingrained with you know the church's teachings. I think to to a very to a very negative, a very um, a very um, unhealthy aspect that, you know, that's the only way she could have done it. That was brilliant. And I think, for me, this book kind of shows the bad side of Catholicism. To me, I mean, I'm not I'm not Catholic. I've never cared for Catholicism because, in my opinion, there's way, there's way too much ritual involved. I mean, and you're so... That's just that's just me, but I'm just saying I'm, I'm, it was... It was very good to see that I agree that the way they were able to get her, that Lib and William were both able to get her out of that situation. And you're right, that is the only way that they could have they could have done it, that she was you know, be able to begin a new life by saying, once you drink this milk, Anna, you're, you're going to be, you can, you can be a new girl. You can be Nan instead of Anne, and your old life is going to be kind of, you know... Washed away, kind of, or you know, or Anna will be, Anna will be dead, and and you're going to kind of emerge from the. Uh, well, but um, you know, she said it was holy milk, even though it wasn't. It was just plain milk. Um, I, I agree that that is the uh, only way she could have done it. But I, I I'm, I def- I'm so glad the ending was positive. I really am glad about that. Yeah, I'm really glad that the ending was positive. Also, I think it would have been too sad a story to read. Um, without that ending. And, you know, maybe the ending was a little implausible. Maybe it was hard to believe that Lib and uh, Byrne, you know, would decide together to rescue Anna and to all go to what was, I think it was Australia. Um, You know, maybe that isn't the most plausible thing that would happen, but it was a really lovely ending. And I think that it was, it was, it, it, you know, it, it, it made people feel feel better. But I think besides all the religious aspect, it was, you know, she also had the, the, the burden, the shame of, of incest and, and thinking of herself as married to her brother. Um, so that was really, you know, all of this was pretty a huge obstacle to, to have to, to deal with. I mean, she's losing her parents. 
um, you know, she thinks of herself as married to her brother and all of the, the religious um, pressure that she had from the town. So it's really, it's quite remarkable, um, you know, to think that she could really overcome. I mean, I, maybe I'm too cynical, but it's, it's hard for me to imagine that she could overcome all of these burdens. Um, but I, I like to believe that, that it's possible. Yes, this is Ginny. Um, yeah, I did think it was um, very impressive the way the nurse, um, you know, was able to get with it finally uh, to get within her frame of reference and find a way to tell her that you know her goal for the whole one of her goals for the um, fasting could be achieved by you know allowing her old self to succumb and become someone new. I also think that the book reminded me. Um, how it gets when people are really isolated. This was a small community, um, and the forces within that community uh, kind of conspired against um, Anna. I thought it when the doctor came in and suggested um, a feeding tube, I didn't think that was, I thought that would be really rough on Anna, but it was such a desperate situation. I mean, in the current situation, we would probably have intravenous glucose or something like that. But, um, yeah, I was very impressed by that. And this is a very minor point, but what was it that made Anna refuse the uh, food that her mother was transmitting to her? Um, remember, there was a point at which um, Lib said uh, the child refused her mother's embrace, and I'm not sure what set that off. I don't know for sure, but the idea of somebody transferring food by their mouth to my mouth kind of makes me want to not accept it. <laughs> um, Maybe it was just making her sick to her stomach. Yeah, one has to agree that that's pretty gross. And I'd have to agree with what Lissy said, that it was a pretty clever ploy to convince her like that because she was certainly gullible. Um, I think she might have stopped because she was believing that she was living on nothing and by God's will, um, and she was buying into all that, and she didn't want to cheat anymore, perhaps. I think that during the four months before the nurses came, Anna was surely getting more food because when, and on the first examination, she was a lot healthier than after two weeks. Because um, all of you are right who have said, you know, you can't just live on a few sips of water and a few mouthfuls uh, full of food and and survive. So I think during the four months, Anna was feeling pretty well because I'm sure she was getting a lot more to eat when she wasn't being observed all the time. And her mother, um, the only way I thought about this, because I just did a a book about snow owls for Bookshare, and it talked about how the um, parent owls chew the food and, and and give it to the baby owls and so I kind of thought of it that way and it d- didn't gross me out quite so much not not that it's a cool thing but um, the, I thought the mother was the biggest villain and, and the town wasn't all that involved they, they did say that many people in the town thought she was nuts you know that they thought she was a strange a strange one and many people thought she was obedient but it was the priest and the mother who didn't want to deal with her, with the child's, you know, when the child said, you know, what had gone on between herself and her brother, rather than deal with that, they put her through 
this misery. And I think one of the reasons that she prolonged it uh, in Anna's mind, that Anna prolonged it, was so she could get more of those prayers said. Because, you remember, it was like a 28-day cycle, or 33, that was it. She was saying that prayer 33 times a day, and she wanted to say it for 33 days. You know, and that was to help get her her brother out of purgatory. And I think once the nurses were observing and she was getting far less food, she was beginning to suffer. And perhaps she wanted to end it herself because she wasn't feeling well anymore. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with that. I thought that she just wanted to finish her, her cycle of prayers to get her brother out of purgatory and once that was accomplished I didn't really think that she had the the interest or the strength I guess to keep going you know forever um, I, I didn't I mean I didn't really think about what the you know what it would taste like to to have food transferred from somebody else's mouth but there was no other way that she could get food because everybody was watching her so closely particularly when the nurses came and the, and the sister Michael came that the only way that she could actually get it is I guess when her mother kissed her and she transferred mouth food into her mouth but it was so little food that um, maybe before the nurse and, and the nun came maybe she was getting additional food and you know in a different sort of a way we don't really know but once they were watching her you know constantly um that was the only way that she could get food and i guess if her mother was constantly kissing her maybe you know somebody would start thinking that that was strange i i don't know i don't think i would think it was strange but maybe you know somebody would notice something it was it, you know was I, I don't know how well she would have gotten food. I mean, it, it, it made sense when it was revealed because I just couldn't figure out if they were watching her so closely how, how she would get it. Um, but it did seem that once she was being watched closely that her condition got so much worse um, and that she was getting so little food and just having a few sips of water that she was going to die. And I, And I thought that she just... Not that she wanted to die, but I think she just had a certain goal, which was to get her brother into into heaven. Um, and then she didn't care that much about about herself, and it was a relief when she could, you know, have have some more, uh, you know, feeling that that she wanted to live and and to to, to have a have a you know a life because you know she's such a such a young girl. I mean, it was it was such a tragedy. Oh, just this is the last thing, but um, they did mention that she had lived through the famine and that um, Lib Lib said that she looked more like an 8-year-old than an 11-year-old. So she was already underdeveloped because in her early childhood, she did suffer great deprivation. And on top of everything else, at that time, and certainly in some many religions, Today, you see this sometimes. It's always the woman or the girl that gets blamed for these kinds of incestuous things. And I think she blamed herself, and I suspect that the priest thought she was at fault, and so did the mother. And so she didn't see herself as an abuse victim. She saw herself as a sinner. And so, in part, she was not only doing this to save her brother, but she felt she had to save herself, too, which really just adds to the whole sadness of the situation 
I would imagine at this time in 1859, I can't imagine that, you know, these kind of situations were talked about, you know, even privately, um, you know, let alone on television shows or, or, or whatever. I, I, I Obviously, they didn't have television then, but I can't imagine that people actually um, talked about those kind of situations. So, um, but on some level... I would think someone who's 11 years old would have to, on some level, understand that, you know, just looking around her community, that brothers and sisters do not, are not married. So, um, you know, she may not have identified herself as someone who was abused or a victim of incest, but I, I can't imagine that she didn't on some some level understand that this was not a typical situation because you know families brothers and sisters they don't you know go before the priest and get married it's just not the way it's done um so it's such a burden to put on such a young girl i mean um and i think the author just did that so well i mean there were so many forces conspiring against her her parents were not on her side the doctors were not on her side the religious figures were not on her side i mean nobody was really there for her um and it's it's a tremendous burden i think to put on on such a young girl so you can understand almost wanting to give up and and just have you know just move on to the next life i would think well um i guess we're coming up upon the hour um, so we'll just see if anybody has any, any final comments. I put the information for David's book up in the chat window if anyone wants to get it. Again, it's called Across Two Novembers, um, A Year in the Life of a Blind Bibliophile. And um, when I went on Bookshare, I just searched for Across Two Novembers with two spelled out, T-W-O, and found it easily. Yes, um, I as I as I mentioned at the beginning of of the hour, um, I did read the book. Um, the reading time of of his book is uh, sixteen hours and twenty minutes, but the way that he does it is um, he has it divided up by months. So there's November, there's December, there's January, all the way through till the following November, and then it's by day. So you can read as much or as little as you want to you could say to yourself well today i'm going to read you know about the month of november and the next day i'm going to read about the month of december um however you know however is best best to read um sherry and i are are assuming and i hope correctly that everybody has access to bookshare um usually we do not pick books from bookshare um we usually try to limit ourselves to picking books from bard um but but this was such a special book, and since we all know David, it seemed like such a perfect opportunity to have him come and tell us about the book and you know answer our questions. Um, so the the thing that I I understand from my local library is if you don't have Bookshare, you can get a free year of Bookshare if you contact your local Braille and Talking Book Library. They can set you up. I don't know how quickly they set you up, but I imagine if you're already subscribed to BARD, as we all are, that it shouldn't take too long to to get Bookshare. I wanted to suggest for people who find it a bit long, you can read the introduction, go to the end and read the epilogue, and then read the first two chapters. And if anyone does not have Bookshare, but can you access Kindle, I would be happy to send a .mobi file if you email me off 
you know, email me later. That's if you don't have access to Bookshare. I just let you know, uh, Bookshare is not available free for a year. It's not, not everywhere. Not not all libraries will do that. I know here my library in Illinois. I know they would not. I, I know they would not do. Uh, I know they would not give me a year of Bookshare for free. I know that for sure. So you cannot you cannot get a free year of Bookshare membership everywhere. Not all talking book libraries will do that. Only certain ones will do that. Won't some libraries? order the book from Bookshare and give it to you or can they do that no no david that's not it's not possible either um no that no that's no they would not they would not do that either uh, because of because of because again bookshare that's going to be an ebook that's not an audio book and i'm sure they would not take the time to make it in uh, in uh, mp3 audio uh, so so no that wouldn't um i'm just saying so not everybody can do the uh free year of uh Bookshare, which is un- which is unfortunate, but uh, that's how it is. Because I I know uh, I know some states will will provide cartridges of audiobooks for people. I know, for example, my state will definitely not because we do not have the money to do that kind of thing. I think that's why I think that's Bookshare too. Why they can't do it because of money issues. So I just know that not all states can do that kind of thing. Okay, I I stand corrected. I, I my local library does make that offer. I know, and I I mistakenly thought that it was a, a national author offer. Um, and David, I'm wondering, have you contacted any of the local talking book libraries that have recording studios and asked them if they'd be willing to record the book and put it on Bard? Um, my library in New York City, I know, has a recording studio, and I know some of the other ones do too. And I, I would imagine that this is an ideal book to to be recorded and 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 brought into the Bard system. That would be fantastic. Um, I have an offer that's that will work for anyone here or anyone you know. Um, I proofread for Bookshare, and I earn credits two two dollars and fifty cents. Per book, but the only thing I can spend it on are memberships, and I've got my membership paid ahead for almost 40 years, so I have um, lots of credits, and um, just a couple of weeks ago, I signed my brother up in one day, so um, I can contact, you know, the membership people at Bookshare and work with you, and um, I'm allowed to pay for membership for anyone so if anyone here would like to try it and uh, here's your free membership um, let me know and I'll give you my email address that's very generous of you Lucy Um, Liz I saw you had your hand up a while ago and couldn't get in I'll I'll let you talk right I just wanted to say that I am one of the people who've had Bookshare in the past but who have not had it for a couple years and um, so I was hoping that this book would be on Bard. However, Lissy, if you are sure that you that that's a comfortable thing for you to do, and that that's not going to be a problem for you, um, I've I've just had a number of medical expenses lately, so I don't have the extra fifty dollars right now. I mean, I would have it at some point in the future, but I don't have it. Right